everyone. This is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra. For those who don't know me, I realize that I haven't really been introducing myself. So today I'll say a little bit more about myself and I'll introduce our guest whom I feel very privileged to, to have. It's, it, will, she, it will be Dr. Christine Anderson. But a little bit about me is that I've been a holistic registered nurse since 1980s and my experience is from community nursing in the Philippines, public health, community nursing, OBGYN, then to United States where I also became a critical care nurse. Then from critical care nursing, then I ended up, my current uh, specialty is dementia care. And so just like community to critical care, then back to community. So here I am, then bam, I wanted to have the podcast. Okay, so <laughs> welcome Christine and welcome audience. Thank you very much wherever you are and whatever time you're listening to Quantum Nurse and this is Grace Asagra. And I have Christine Anderson, chiropractor. Christine, you are a chiropractor with so many degrees and letters after your name. <laughs> so I will just read your bio and people can hear what you have accomplished all these years. You graduated summa cum laude from Cleveland Chiropractic College, Los Angeles in 1989. During your studies, you our teacher assistant to the thoracic case management class. You co-taught the instrumentation class and was asked to assist the radiology department head in the last trimester of your schooling. You received your diploma in homeopathy from the British Institute of Homeopathy in 1996. And you also were awarded diplomat status and board certification in chiropractic pediatrics and pregnancy from Palmer Chiropractic College in 1997. Dr. Anderson is also trained in craniosacral therapy and neuroemotional technique. In 2007, you traveled to Belician Rainforest to complete your professional training in Maya Abdominal Massage. In 2013, Dr. Anderson achieved the status of Fellow of the American Board of Childhood Developmental Disorders. And over those years, you have lectured and presented papers at the yearly International Chiropractic Association Council on Pediatric Conferences on various topics such as pregnancy and exercise, fertility, dyslexia, and primitive reflexes. You also became an instructor for the International Pediatrics and Pregnancy Diplomat Program, teaching about pregnancy and exercise as well as pregnancy and birth to chiropractors in the program. Currently, you have a two weekly YouTube shows, one called Optimal Health, Optimal Life on Her 
Dr. Christine Anderson YouTube channel and another on essential oils on your Young Living with Dr. Chris YouTube channel. You just recently started a passion project with your chiropractic daughter. The name of your podcast is Your Baby's Brilliant Brain Podcast, which can be found on iTunes and Spotify, where they focus on how to optimize baby's brain development from conception through the first few years of life. Books are on the works in the first one, with the first one due to be finished by the end of the year. So what else don't we know about you, Christine? Because <laughs> this is a fantastic bio. I can, you're, you're just awesome and so accomplished. Where do you get all that inspiration and energy to accomplish all this? And I am assuming you will accomplish more, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. And throughout all of, all of that, um, I had three children as well. And my husband and I were involved in raising them. So one or the other of us was at our house with them as they were growing up. So that's uh, another major accomplishment as far as I'm concerned. And um, I also try to, well, I, I have movement every day pretty much, make sure I move my body. And I have also, um, I like to do art as a stress release. So I try to fit that in as much as possible. Not so much these days, but that's okay. I know it's always there. Then I have one story that I'm going to share with you with a conversation with a chiropractor and I want your opinion about it. There's this chiropractor who said one time to me that, you know, most of chiropractors are insecure. So what do you say about that? Because I don't see you like that. For me, you have that confidence. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where that comes from. Um, it certainly doesn't apply to me, that's for sure. I, if there's something I want, I go for it. And I don't let things stop me. So that's, that's me. I, don't, I can't speak for every person or every chiropractor on the planet, but for sure, I am not insecure. So I guess that throws that statement out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and my continuation with that is in chiropractor, in chiropractic treatment, uh, most people would just think of it as a physical structure assessment or, or intervention. Can you relate the balance of, or, or the importance of having a chiropractic treatment in relation to not just the physical health, but the way one sees the world or sees oneself? Right, well, the whole thing that actually attracted me to chiropractic is the philosophy, which is that the body has everything within it to heal itself. And what I'm doing is removing any interference to the brain and the nervous system and that communication system so that then the brain can do what it's supposed to do, 
which is control and coordinate all the functions in the body. So chiropractic really is more about neurology than it is structural, although the structure does matter too. So it's a holistic approach because we're looking at all systems, but the brain controls and coordinates every single function in the body. I dare people to find one it doesn't, but that means digestion, hormonal, respiratory function, cardiovascular function, brain function really is also an essence of this because the brain is relying on feedback. And most people don't realize either is that the whole reason we have the brain that we do is to move our body. So there is that motor component as well. So it's all kind of tied in together. And in chiropractic, we say the three causes of subluxation, which is a general term used, some people say for the misalignments or the restrictions that are going on in the vertebra if you're adjusting a, a vertebral segment or in the cranial system, we're looking at how the cranial bones are moving. Um, but the three major causes of dis-ease or that subluxation pattern are physical stress, emotional stress, and toxic or metabolic stress, including nutrition in there. So this is why it is so much more than uh, neck pain and back pain. And it's also why I can see babies minutes after birth, because I'm not looking for necessarily a problem. What I'm doing is I'm looking for function, symmetry, motion, and, uh, and I'm looking at the balance in the body. And that gives me what I need to see if there's some adjustments that need to be done. What's the worst uh, case that you've had in terms of a pediatric case? Oh my gosh. Well, that's a subjective thing as far as worst. I will say um, there was a very heart-wrenching case of a baby who had a genetic issue going on. And he would come in, I would work on him to help make him more comfortable. But he was, it's one of those times where he was not comfortable in his body. And um, he was having a really hard time and a real you know, I would work on him and he'd get some relief, but every time I could just feel all that tension in there. And uh, I think I was away somewhere, but I learned that he had actually passed on. And I was like, you know, sometimes it's, you become very philosophical after you've been doing things for a while. So it's 30 years in practice. And, um, you know, I was like, well, I, I hope whatever, he was here to do he, that that service had been created or a karmic debt you know it was like i hope whatever he was here he he was able to do that that purpose that function because i believe we are here for a purpose and function even if it's for a short period of time but it's it's very difficult of course to have any one pass on but he was so uncomfortable in his body that Sometimes I, I think there are worse things than, than releasing um, our spirits and our souls from our physical body. But, you know, we never like to have children pass on. But in this case, I do think it was a release for him. What, what, what's your, uh, usually your um, biggest challenge? Or, or have you ever have that moment when you really felt like you failed 
and uh, you know how do you handle that because in nursing we tend to have that okay especially when you take care of someone all the time in the, in icu and then the person doesn't make it just like what you know that's case that you or the patient that you just mentioned so how do you usually handle that well i think it also depends on what your purpose is and my purpose I, as I tell people, your body heals itself. It's not me. I'm creating the best situation so that you can have optimal expression of life for you, that life force within the body and that healing capabilities for whatever you have access to. So I say that because it's not like I'm going in and saying, okay, I'm going to heal you of X, Y, or Z. A, a genetic problem or even a physical problem, mental, I talk about what I'm able to do to help with what I see as far as releasing restrictions, removing the subluxation so that energy feedback and the flow can feed back from the brain to the rest of the body. But I also let them know that they have a part in this too, because there's usually homework involved and have people participate in their healing. So that I tell the full story and the full picture of what I'm seeing and what I found, what it means and what I want to do. And if we don't get everybody on board and there isn't cooperation, I let them know it's, it's not going to work as well if you're just relying on me doing what I'm doing, because I'm only part of it. I'm just directing the body in the right direction. So number one, I can't care more about the patient than they do themselves. They have to actually take ownership and I will be there to support them and be their cheerleader, but I can't do the work for them. And number two, I envision a, an infinite healing potential so that that doesn't put any blockages on where they can go with it. Even if it's a genetic issue, I don't know what, when you have that full expression of the brain and the nervous system, I don't know where that's going to take us. It's sort of an unknown. So I think how you enter into something, I think sometimes in the medical realm, they go in as if they are the saviors and, you know, it's up to them to, uh, cure a patient or heal a patient. And, and we all know there's this universal intelligence and in chiropractic, we say it funnels down into the innate intelligence through the nervous system. So I'm trying to do what I can on my part to have that connection. But ultimately, it's, it's a personal thing that comes from within. So I feel good about what I do with my capabilities. If I don't have answers, I look for them. If I don't, if I can't do a thing that I think is going to help, I look for a referral source. Um, but I am not God and I don't pretend that I am. And I don't, you know, I don't pretend I have the cure all or I know everything even. So I never really look at things as a failure. I look at them as learning curves because I think we do need to keep learning, especially in our professions. Once I hear a doctor say they know it all, I get a little concerned because how can you know it all? We don't. And um, that's why I don't get bogged down in things maybe that are looking like they're not working. 
Um, it may say to me, hey, I need to do more investigation. I may need to do some lab tests. I may need to refer this person. Um, but I don't get really bogged down in that because that's going to stop me and my purpose of what I need to do, which is help people get to where they want to be in their health and, and really those people that want to take ownership and participate in it. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And it's wonderful f to hear that from a, a, a doctor you know, and me as a, uh, an, another health professional. Because in, in holistic nursing, we're always reminded that you just keep doing your best, you have your goals, but don't get attached to any of the outcomes. Because sometimes the outcomes may be different from what we think it is an outcome as part of the goal. And, but just embrace it because each, each situation could be different. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. And there are different types of chiropractic treatment, right? Because which one do you do? Or do you do a mixture of chiropractic treatment. Yeah, I call it, I, now I call it the Anderson technique because in general, there's as many techniques as there are chiropractors out there. And you learn a technique and you start using it. And for the most part, you'll make accommodations based on maybe your physicality or you know what, what's working for you or what you see is working for you. And then maybe combine a few different type of therapies. But um, I like to have a few different techniques in my tool belt because everybody's different. So one type of technique might not work for somebody or they, it, it might not resonate with them, or maybe at a certain time in their life, they need a, a different technique because they have a, a certain situation going on. So my techniques run the gamut of basically no force, which would be more of the cranial sacral work or directing energy to minimal force, which is either just a little pressure of my fingertip or even intention of movement, or I use sometimes an adjusting tool that gives a little pulse to um, a use of a drop table, which I'll do a thrust goes through the table. So it's a minimal force through the body to high velocity adjusting, where this is the ones that they depict in films very badly most of the time, where you hear a popping or cracking sound. And it's a specific motion done in a specific way. It's very, very actually scientific. But that sound, now depending on who you are, I might say it's just air being released in the joint space. Like when you pop a champagne bottle, you know, there's pressure built up in there. You pop the cork, you get a nice sound. You don't hear that so much with a regular bottle of wine. With young kids that come in, I might say it's your spine farting and then they laugh. So it really, really runs the gamut. Uh, again, just seeing what people need and what's going to suit them for where they are in the moment. What's the youngest um, patient that have you had? Oh, minutes. Well, I'm not going to say minutes old because if I'm at a birth, of course, they're going to want to bond with their mom. Let's just say hours old. Oh, hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then how about, uh, then you have toddlers and teenagers. Now, 
I've got the full run. And, you know, now that I've been doing this for 30 years, there's some children that have grown up with my practice and they're having children of their own. And it's, it's kind of crazy. So tell me, do they like your, the way you look, your hairstyle? Cause you're totally different. And for me, someone who's totally different has so much confidence. <laughs> When they come in the office, it, it's really, it's very homey. I'm in a house, there's couches and, you know, whatever, toys. And so I don't really have like a clinic atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, we get along. What can I say? <laughs> Kids and I get along. And have you ever led them in any movement class? As far, oh, well, when, um, when my kids were in school, I would go into the classrooms and teach yoga uh, in my kids' classrooms. And uh, when my daughter was in junior high school, she had a dance class. So I did a yogic dance routine for that. But in my office, I'm giving them movement to do and practice at home. So they are definitely, uh, they're definitely moving. And for some kids, the treat at the end of their treatment is I'll hang them upside down and swing them. So. You could have been a, a doctor of other specialty. Well, what made you choose chiropractic? What made me choose chiropractic? Well, that, that uh, it chose me. It's one of those things that uh, found me. And this was way back before internet. So it had to work a little harder to find me, I think. Um, when I was 16, I began teaching in a women's fitness gym. This was back in uh, like around 1980. Um, when I started teaching in, in women's gyms, I was still in high school. And so I decided I wanted to be a medical doctor and I was an undergrad in, in um, my, at my University of Vermont, that's where I did my undergrad. And in the summers, I would go back to Connecticut where I grew up and work in these women's gyms. And it was, I think at the summer of my sophomore year, and one of the members, you know, you talk to them, oh, what are you in school for? I'm in school, I'm pre-med. And she said, no, you should be a chiropractor or an osteopath. And I was like, oh, what, oh, what? <laughs> and so she actually brought in pamphlets and information and brochures about what chiropractic was, what osteopathy was. And like I said, as soon as I read that philosophy of chiropractic, it just, it, it was one of those moments that I forever changed my life because I made a, a decision right then and there that I wanted to be a chiropractor and did not even try to get into med school because I didn't want to be a medical doctor. And that, that was it. Life changed in a moment. <laughs> and I know that you also do take care of the nutrition part of your patients. I do. How how important is that? Well, it's, we're built out of what we eat. I think, you know, there was that saying, you are what you eat. Well, I would further that a little bit as you are what you eat, but more so what you're able to digest. 
because when we look at what we're eating, if we can't assimilate it, then it's not going to really do us any good. So we have to make sure that our gut integrity is such that we're able to break down the food, get it into our system, and then we can use it. Um, but nutrition is a huge part of chiropractic college. I, can't, I don't even know how many hours we had. I think we had at least one class each trimester in nutrition, so a lot of nutrition. And I've always been interested in nutrition, but after going to school, um, I think it was soon after, definitely by the time I was pregnant, uh, I had decided that we were going to be vegan. So that has been a huge part of my life as well. But I definitely have to counsel patients on nutrition and for your listeners out there who are dealing with dementia and the caregivers who are dealing for the people with dementia, this is actually a huge issue because there is actually some research now that this may be related to what's going on with glucose metabolism. And they're actually calling uh, Alzheimer and dementia patients now, they're saying, well, this is like a type three diabetes type of situation. So one of the, the things that they actually did with studies is um, there was a study that showed nine out of 10 patients were able to reverse their memory loss by doing lifestyle changes. And that include removing all simple carbohydrates. That's all those white things, white, pasta, white rice, pasta, bread, sugar, um, cookies, candies, cakes, all those processed things. They took those out of the diet completely, eliminated all processed foods, put them on a gluten-free diet, had them eating more vegetables and also some wild fish which contains the DHA. I prefer as a vegan getting it from the algae, which the fish eat, but this is what they did in the study. They had the patients also doing yoga and activities that reduce stress. They had them increase their sleep because we know sleep is a factor. They supplemented with a methylated form of B12, which is different than different other types of B12. Um, vitamin D3, they had them take fish oil on top of that. Coenzyme Q10, I'm not sure what form they did of that because there are different forms. Curcumin, which is a compound that's found in things like turmeric. Resveratrol, ashwagandha, and coconut oil. And they had them exercise a minimum of three minutes, uh, sorry, 30 minutes for four to six times a week. There was no snacking. And sometimes they, had, they also used hormone therapy if that was necessary. So when they did that, there was actually changes in the brain. And this does not surprise me because all of those things I just mentioned, we know affect brain function and can not only help prevent things like dementia and Alzheimer's, but also might help when we are looking at someone who has already been diagnosed and dealing with it. 
And one of those biggest factors is reducing the consumption of simple and processed carbohydrates because they're going to spike the blood sugar. That's going to inflame the brain. And it can also trigger a whole other cascade of issues. Um, so, you know, most people think that gluten sensitivity causes the gut to have problems, and sometimes it does, but it also is related to the neurologic aspect because our gut health is directly linked to our brain health. And thank you for mentioning that study. And may, perhaps later you could please send me a reference and I'll put it underneath this episode. So that Absolutely. Because could you imagine if all the things that you said will be just on the headline? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, then people will really start looking and they won't be afraid. They won't be think like having dementia is like the, uh, how do you call it? It's like the sentence, sentence of your life and you'll ne it will never, you'll never be able to change it. Then plus the, the caregivers think that they will have it. So having, you know, with all that information. So I, it would be nice to put it in the reference, okay? And Absolutely. And there's other research too. Um, there's, there's usually people talk about the amyloid plaques and the tau proteins. Um, but there's actually some new exciting research looking at even gum disease in the relation to the brain. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And I just had a new patient today, Grace, who actually was part of that study. Wow. And he has actually a really exciting thing in the works that hopefully will be out in six months. So um, you probably are going to want to hook up with him and at some point when he's ready. He's a little bit busy right now. But talk about serendipity. I was like, wow. I would be, I would be happy for you to you know, give me my, a little bit of introduction for him and perhaps I could invite him to speak about it. Absolutely. And, and uh, dental health is also one of my aha moments in the last uh, six, seven, seven years that it is crucial, not just because I thought it's, it was only because of the effect on the heart, but the entire thing. And there's, right, it's, even out there to the viewers, if they can just Google dental health and uh, its relationship to the different parts of the body, then bam, that, that graph is right out there. Yeah. The graph is out there and most people don't realize that that tooth is attached to a nerve. So it's directly linked to your nervous system and the blood supply. So you have things, this is why abscesses are so damaging well, this is even going back to that, root canals, okay? Root canals. This was an occasional thing when I first started in practice. Now, you know, everybody, oh, I'm just going to go in and get a root canal. I'm like, um, no, you're going to go see this person who's going to try and save your tooth first. Because once you have, you, you, a root canal is killing that nerve. So whatever that nerve goes is connected to, you're going to also have a feedback system and then you have dead tissue of a dead tooth. Well, what does the body want to do with dead material? It wants to push it out. So you create an abscess. So then you have bacteria in your system that can get into your blood 
And that can travel around the body, including into the brain, and cause a lot of problems. So you want to avoid root canals as much as possible. Everybody find a holistic dentist. They are going to be more versed in what you're talking about, this whole body aspect of the teeth in relation to our overall health, for sure. And I'm glad we're really talking about it because I'm working my way in inviting a holistic dentist. This morning I had a conversation, but I'm, you know, I have two in my mind. And so as a practitioner, it's like me and you, it's good to have a, a you know, someone, a holistic dentist that you could refer to. And because if we don't really take care of that part of the body, I've attended some conferences in integrative medicine and they don't even speak about it. Like right. how, that, how important that is. And then when they talk about detoxification for metals, they look at the source of metal toxicity from outside. Right. And I said, uh, excuse me, maybe you should think first what's in your system already that is part of that. Yeah. So, Talk to me about your, um, that you have a detox program. I have different ways I work with patients with, with detoxification because I feel like this is not something that you just put people on. You have to find out where they are in their health journey because if they have a lot of toxification going on, then if they start to detox too quickly, you're going to dump a lot of stuff into their system. And if their liver, kidney, colon, um, skin can't handle that detoxification, you might create more problems in the end. And you don't want to just flush, flood the system with toxins that then will deposit elsewhere, especially with things like heavy metals that have a propensity for depositing in the brain. And there is that possible connection with, especially aluminum, but other heavy metals with dementia. Yeah. All the quantum reflex analysis or QRA practitioners have a strong program or it's a given that they have to talk about dental health. And yep, eventually they have to talk about detox. And so, and if, especially if dental health is not cared for or taken care of, we just say for sure you will always have some chronic health issue. Yeah. And if they have metal in their teeth, there's no way I'm going to do a detoxification program until they get that metal removed because otherwise they're just going to keep poisoning their system. But the other thing that needs to happen regardless of when I put them on detoxification is they have to stop poisoning themselves first and foremost. So especially for our listeners out there, get rid of your antiperspirant slash deodorant that you pick up at the regular store. That's full of aluminum, especially if it's an antiperspirant. And even those um, crystal stones are still aluminum compounds. So you, once you detoxify your system, you won't be really stinky anymore. But until that time, there are other natural things that you can use. So for sure, that anything you're putting on your body, um, anything that you're, oh my gosh, I mean, cooking with, are you using the Teflon, which 
is so toxic. It goes into your food. You breathe it um, to what you're washing your, your dishes and your clothes and all of that type of thing. So whenever I have a new patient, I actually talk about the sources of toxins for them to start being awareing, aware of and go into their cabinets, go into your sink, go in your laundry room, go in your bathroom and start looking up these products that you're using on a continual basis that bioaccumulate in your body, overload your system, and then you're not going to be able to withstand toxins as well. And I tell them to go to ewg.org, which is Environmental Working Group, and look up their products. And then talk to me about uh, some suggestions I have for replacing their products too, because there's so much stuff out there with the whole... Um, oh, what do we call it? Where you think something is green and it's not, right? So yeah, exactly. the, the advertising, oh, this is organic. Well, there's no organic references for body care products. It's just marketing. And oh, this is, um, you know, uh, non you know, they might have some catchphrases and you think, oh, this is, this is healthy. This is, this is not too bad. So look at those as well on ewg.org and actually see if what they're talking about, like for instance, baby Gannics, right? That gives the illusion that it's organic. Well, it's not, it's not. So uh, I actually got a rude awakening with that when I went through my products that I thought like Mrs. Myers is another one, right? Everybody thinks, oh, that's, you know, that's clean. No, it's not, it's not clean, it's not green. They just give this illusion um, because this is part of the problem is that our systems, all our systems are getting overloaded. And then where do those toxins go? Where do they settle? Do they settle in the brain? We don't need any more trauma in our brain. That's for sure. And if you have a situation in your gut that's been overloaded and you have a leaky gut. So in other words, things are getting into our bloodstream that shouldn't. Normally we have like a cement wall, but if there are some gaps in that, if you have a leaky gut that's letting things in, you also have a leaky brain. So this is another instance that looking at the gut and the, and the brain, this is what I mean. When you look at things holistically, you can't just isolate one body part. It really, you really have to look at the person in their entirety to see what have they been exposed to. And this is all coming back down to history. What's gone on in their life? Where might their exposures be? So that as you start to remediate and detoxify, you want to make sure you're not retoxifying as you go along, right? Exactly, exactly. And for like us who has been looking at things holistically and with critical thinking, how do you, what do you think about this or perspective about this pandemic thing? Does it keep you <laughs> at night? Because sometimes it does for me. <laughs> we need another hour, Grace. <laughs> What do I think about this pandemic thing? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, like, is it required in your office for someone to come and be there with a mask on? 
Well, I have a sign on my door explaining that this is what they recommend. It's actually a recommendation. It's not a law. Here's what's recommended. Here are the guidelines. And however, if you have a health issue and you're unable to wear a mask, that's what we're going to assume if we see you without one. Because according to the American Disabilities Act, you cannot approach somebody and ask them why they're not, you know, what's their problem? Why can't they wear a mask? It's also against HIPAA as well for information because it's health information. So um, that's a sign on the window in my office. And if, uh, you know, it's sort of like we're going to leave it at the discretion of the person coming in. And that's the way that is. I know myself, I cannot wear a mask. It cuts off my oxygen supply. It creates anxiety. I can't breathe. Um, I measured the carbon dioxide level and on my machine, it only goes up to 10,000 and it raised to 10,000 parts per million within seconds. That's all it reads. So who knows how high it goes, but indoor air is supposed to be less than 1000. So my health is at stake when I wear a mask because that is going to create stress in my body, which then creates disease. See, I really feel for that dementia clientele and their caregivers as well, because all the dementia care centers are closed, and unless they're in a nursing home, but usually it's a separate facility. And they're, they're stuck in their homes. They hear if they keep listening to the news. I don't know, but it's very fearful. It's everything is just like, doom <laughs> gloom and doom so well that's really what they want to keep everybody in they want to keep everybody in fear because if they really wanted to give information they could have let people know what um really learned study doctors have found from treating patients with this that vitamin d works that zinc works vitamin c all right sunshine um, all these things have been known and available, but anybody who tries to speak about it is silenced. And, you know, if they, if I think if the powers that be really wanted to help us, they would be letting us know this information. And then there's the whole hydro, hydroxychloroquine thing, which, you know, I don't prescribe drugs. I'm, that's not my thing, but if it was something that was readily available. It had been used for 70 years. There were, we, they were shown, there were doctors that actually had great success using it along with things like zinc. Um, if it was something that could help people and, and be used in a prophylactic way, proactively, especially in the high-risk group, then I think that's also a huge tragedy that that's been taken away. And again, to me, I'm always questioning why. Why would they do that? So that brings to agendas and all of that that we don't want to get into. But they, you know, keeping people in fear is, is really what this is all about. And once you have people in fear, they can't think critically. They can't think um, with you know, actually using their brain because they're stuck in their, 
their amygdala in their primitive fear-mongering brain. So did you catch all that, Grace? I saw you froze for a minute. Yeah, wait. Yeah, because at first you froze also, so let's continue. Yeah. yeah we're still good. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Now, so, I, it, and I know some that we may not have all the answers, but I always like to tell people, just keep asking questions. Ask what's happening and why should it happen? Why are they doing it? Because, you know, for us not to be even able to ask, I think it's not good. So I'm glad we're, we talk about it. And I can't help but ask you because we're both health professionals. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the same thing for the people caring for their loved ones with dementia. To me, if you are just going down the route of what traditional medis- medical care has to offer, you're missing out on opportunities to actually help the body heal. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something crazy, but we know things like exercise help. We know things um, uh, like dietary changes help. So it's, it's that whole part of going, okay, well, that's what this doctor says, but you keep have you have to dig more. You have to think, well, you know, this is, this doesn't seem to be working. What else is there? And traditional medicine is great for coming in in emergent situations. Um, Absolutely. If you have an emergency, they are great. But for being proactive about health or even trying to help people restore health, that's not really what their paradigm is. That's not what they're really what they're taught in school. Not most of them. There are some that are, are becoming more aware and doing some things that are consi- used to be considered alternative. But for the most part, you have to break it down and see what you can do proactively in with lifestyle because that's really where it all begins. I mean, pretty much like 85% of issues that go on with us are caused by our lifestyle. And I want to piggyback on that lifestyle that all the holistic lifestyle ways are good for prevention, for treatment, for curative things, and then for rehab. And they're all like, you know, it's just one whole thing that's good for us. So I want everyone to know that this, these services, these practitioners are available and no one has to just do one traditional Western medicine option, but open their, open their um, selves to a lot more. In my practice, I always see that people who get better with chronic conditions is when they can incorporate a chiropractic care, a holistic dentist care, and a coach and a nurse. And you know, when they combine all of that, I, I call it hit it in all angles. Why settle for one? You know? So where do you think you, what else can we expect from you in five years? In five years, um, hopefully I have five books written. <laughs> I pray planning, for that. <laughs> planning on one a year at least. Um, 
And it really is my goal at some point to create centers where children come, can come in and work on what, wherever they have imbalances in their brains and nervous system. So a place where they can actually do the physical exercises. Right now, I give the parents homework to do with their kids as far as movement, but I would love to have a place where they actually come and, and do the, a program there. So things that have like rock walls and trapeze and uh, zip lines and rope swings and you know all those activities that kids used to do naturally and that they don't do so much anymore. And especially now it's even worse. Um, but the programs I would create would be designed specifically for them. Also, they would get chiropractic. They would get the integrative care with diet and, and this type of thing, parenting uh, sort of guidance, I would say. And yeah, that's, that's where I would like to be furthering what I have, but being able to have this also available to every child, regardless uh, on their ability to pay. So I don't know what that will look like, but that's my, my hope for five years. I can, I can imagine that it's, it's doable. Absolutely. (laughs) You, You just need to add more help for you so that you can expand yourself. That's it's, possible it's a beautiful vision it's gonna happen it's gonna happen Absolutely. i'll remind you <laughs> you don't need reminding okay. i i uh i'm i'm on my way i mean you know i'm just continually doing what i need to do and the process will unfold i think as it's supposed to do you have any few more words and best advice for our view uh, listeners and viewers whether it be for a young Christine or for our dementia caregivers? Well, always listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. We shut that down, that's for sure. So if something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. And then do what you need to do to have the strength to find the, find the answers that are going to work for you. But I think the biggest thing, especially for caregivers, Besides the fact, question everything. You know, if your doctors don't want to run when you walk in the door, then you're, you're not doing your job. They should not look forward to seeing you because that means you're on top of it. You're asking questions. You're questioning what they're telling you. Um, they, uh, yeah, you definitely want to do that. But I think the biggest thing that caregivers forget to do is take care of themselves because remember, Uh, Just like being on an airplane, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you are putting your the mask on the children. The same thing applies here. And it also applies actually for anybody who's caretaking. And this is what I have to tell moms all the time as well, is that if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot be there to take care of others. So that should be your primary focus is to do your own self-care don't shortcut what you're doing on your health to take care of somebody else. Do you have a good support from your family? Like, well, what are they- we talking about? <laughs> you, you have the, everything you say, you have fully dedicated your life for a 
really a service that needs a lot of your time that and energy and inspiration and i'm a believer that behind or be yeah behind everything that we do to be successful we need a good support so well for sure i mean obviously my husband has learned that he probably will get you know put aside when there are things going on when when uh, patients have need, when I need to do what I need to do. I mean, he definitely, he's on board with this, this whole purpose as well. He is my biggest cheerleader. Um, and then I've also created a system where I create support for myself. So I have somebody cooking meals for me, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, and I'm very self-motivated and driven, so I make sure that I create time for myself too. If I, I'm very vocal about that, if I need some time to myself, it's like, I need this time. My husband also knows I need my downtime. So as long as I, I have enough time for him, he's okay with that. But um, yeah, I, of course, and, and my children have grown up with it. So I was also there for them being there at home when they were growing up and made sure I was involved in their life as well. So I don't think they really suffered at all. And they certainly now, as they are all adults, they know the importance and they are, you know, they're right, they're right with me. They've always been with me. So it's more about, um, they have great understanding. And that's really the, the, the support that I need is making sure that everybody's on board. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Christine. And I'm in my, my dream for the podcast, Quantum Nurse, is also to have that community so each one can support each other, you know, and also a community where holistic health practitioners like you can be there be able to share their knowledge and expertise to the podcast and eventually then our audience can reach out or to each other. So, cause it's always good to have that support. It's where, as they said, no man is an island and, you know, we help each other. Absolutely. Tell us, tell our audience where we can find you. You can come to Los Angeles and find me. <laughs> I'm going to remember that because <laughs> crazy quarantine time is over and I'm hoping it will be over next year. <laughs> Dreaming. You can still fly within the country. You just can't go out or, and go anywhere. Um, I have my website is Los Angeles-chiropractor.com. My YouTube channel is Dr. Christine Anderson Chiropractor. You have to type in the chiropractor because believe it or not, Christine Anderson is a very common name. And uh, that is a place you can find a lot of detail in these lifestyle habits that I was talking about. You can start with the first episode on the seven facets to optimal health. And I think that gives a really great overview. And then if you're interested in essential oils and how they can help you with mind, body, spirit, uh, you can go to Young Living with Dr. Chris YouTube channel. And then, of course, 
my um my newest passion project with my daughter is your baby's brilliant brain podcast on on itunes and spotify thank you so much i will end the show by reading a quantum affirmation and i shuffle these cards in the morning and when i have a recording i said which of these cards will I get for me and Christine and the audience? So I, and I read it three times. I read it in the morning and in, at noon and in the evening. Okay. It says daily opportunities. Abundant opportunities come to me every day. It is up to me to recognize and accept them. The universe sends me many messengers and I listen to their messages. I choose to receive many blessings with thanksgiving. Abundant opportunities come to me every day. It is up to me to recognize and accept them. The universe sends me many messengers and I listen to their messages. I choose to receive many blessings with thanksgiving. Abundant opportunities come to me every day. It is up to me to recognize and accept them. The universe sends me many messengers and I listen to their messages. I choose to receive many blessings with thanksgiving. Thank you, Dr. Christine Anderson. And to our audience and in my language, I say mabalos, thank you. And don't let anything or anyone take the joy out of your life. I will put all Dr. Anderson's information in the description, as well as a reminder for the audience that we have a, a link there for a book, a complimentary coaching call, and that might lead to a conversation with me and to, or to Dr. Christine Anderson. Thank, thank you, you very for, much. <laughs> thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you.